0: welcome to the podcast accounting and business where i talk with business professionals about how they use accounting in their job today i'm talking with tyler mathis a vice president at hillcrest bank he shares some great real life examples from the work he's done with a variety of businesses let's go to the interview well today we get to learn from tyler mathis and tyler where did you attend college and what was your major well, I, uh, I started my
1: college career at Weber state, um, with going towards a degree in marketing. And then I ended up, uh, transferring to Utah, uh, the university of Utah, um, because when I got married, my wife worked there. And so just made things easier. Mm-hmm. So I completed my undergrad in, in marketing there. And then, um, and then I actually um worked for a while in in various jobs that had nothing to do with marketing <laughs> and, uh, and um then I went back to school to get my m b a which is when I got into uh banking. I had an uncle that worked in banking and he tricked me into it, so uh, so that's uh yeah, that's where. I, so two degrees from the University of Utah. Don't don't hold it against me.
0: Not with the great school. Did you did your MBA have an emphasis or is it just everybody just graduates with an MBA there? Um,
1: it, it was an emphasis in finance mm-hmm. because I knew I knew kind of that that I wanted to pursue kind of the banking finance aspect. So,
0: okay. yeah. Great. So please give us a brief, brief work history and what your current role is and, and what that entails. Okay.
1: Um, well, I'll just, I'll just start after um, my graduate degree, the last kind of 14 years. Um, I, I started my banking career at Zion's bank. Um, and I started as a credit analyst there and Really, the credit analyst takes the, you know, financial statements, the income statement, the balance sheet, and they will input them into a system. You know, Moody's has a system and and various other vendors have systems and and we call it spreading the financial statements. And so they'll just go in a row so you can look at the financial statements side by side and track trends and and look at right common sizing with the percentages. Um, so I did a lot of that and, you know, and, um, a lot of loans have covenants, um, which are, if if you're not familiar with that, uh, or your, your listeners aren't familiar with that, um, they're just requirements and certain ratios that, uh, someone who borrows money needs to meet on a, on a regular basis in order to be in compliance with their loan, Um, And so we would, we would take the financials and we would track their covenants and make sure they're in compliance. And, and, you know, and that's how I kind of got to know kind of loan structuring and things like that. And from there, I moved into a role where I was um, doing the underwriting, which is, you know, taking the analysis and then adding narrative to it and, and putting it together. Um, along with analyzing collateral and, and uh, the individuals involved in the business and putting it together into a loan approval. And so I did that for a lot of years. Um, I moved into various groups where we did larger credits. You know, I worked on uh, loans that were multiple bank loans, uh, a line of credit that was $120 million dollars between two or three banks, Zions, I think we were actually the smallest participant, but, uh, some of the big banks were involved, but, um, and then, um, the last year I was at Zions, I worked in a group that did leveraged finance. So that's, um, typically our, um, clients were private equity groups, uh, that had committed funds and uh, that were buying businesses. And we would, they would go buy a business and we would provide, uh, debt to help purchase the business. And, um, it's kind of a riskier lending because there's not a lot of tangible collateral backing it, but, uh, um, a lot of fun, you know, really kind of, uh, uh, it, it was, it was a really good experience. Um, but then I, then I took a detour and went over to a credit union, uh, America first credit union. If you're familiar with them, um, they are not known for commercial lending, but I worked in, uh, a commercial lending group, uh, and became a manager there. Just based on my background and expertise, um, uh, mo- we did mostly real estate lending, um, Primarily, that's what that's kind of what they're comfortable with. Um, And I did that for a while and I enjoyed it, but I really liked um, working more with operating businesses, which is what I do now. I'm with Hillcrest Bank, which is a uh, they're a regional bank out of Denver. um, And they they're in about I think they're in eight states. but. They have various different brands, kind of like a Zions Bank Corporation. If you're familiar with Zions Bank Corporation, they have in different states various different brands that they operate under. And we have three brands that we operate under. And Hillcrest is uh, new to Utah, and in fact, it's the first uh, organic move or move where they didn't acquire a bank to get into the market. And so we just opened up a commercial office here. Uh, about two years ago, and I joined about eighteen months ago, and we're just building up a, a book of businesses. Our my typical client has revenues from ten to fifty million. That's kind of our kind of sweet spot, uh, and we do we do loans, you know, from two million to kind of twenty five million is probably about the biggest loan we'll probably do in our group. Um, and you know, we, we, we also manage the, um, relationship side as far as, um, deposits and treasury and cash management and things like that. So, um, so that's kind of brought me to where I am today. Um, the, some of the other things I enjoy about it is you get to look at all kinds of different businesses. Like I've worked with, You know, food wholesalers and uh, medical, you know, companies that, you know, their repayment is based on collections from Medicare, Medicaid, you know, so dependent on the government and then uh, worked in power sports. So dealerships. So, yeah, Um, that that's kind of a fun arena. It's kind of exploded during uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's kind of an interesting case study too. Is they, you know, they, the demand went up so high, and and uh, inventory kind of, kind of like we're seeing with wood and things, lumber right now, is the demand went way up, but the manufacturing slowed down. And so, if you've noticed, I noticed because I see it. But you go by most dealerships, and they don't have a very full lot lately. But um, anyway. Um, you know, and all kinds of uh, other businesses like uh, lender finance, where we've lent money to other lenders to then lend and our collateral would be the notes that they, um, and So done, done all kinds of different
0: financing. So, um, anyway, that's, does that answer that question? That's a, that's a great, great background, um, and interesting work. Yeah. how does accounting impact your job
1: well I mean it, it's something that we deal with every day like on a daily basis um, yeah, so having having an understanding in in my line of work is critical uh, critical to um, mitigating risk um, you know you If if you look at their, you know, you can look at somebody's income statement and maybe it looks good, but then you look at their balance sheet and if you don't understand what's going on between the two, uh, you know, you could miss miss something that's not on the income statement. And so just understanding that from a risk perspective, from protecting the bank perspective, and then uh, just the ability to look at the financial statements and tell the story that's going on behind it. Um, That's really critical. And being able to ask the right questions of our potential clients, um, you know, when you see things on the financial statements. So it's, it's every, every day, you know, and and getting loans approved is, is all part of that. So um, if we don't understand it, we can't tell the story, which, to me, that's the exciting part is telling the story behind the financial statements. Uh, um, then, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to keep a lot of clients. We're not going to um, get a lot of stuff done and I'm not going to have a job. <laughs> 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 pretty, pretty critical, I would mm-hmm.
0: say. So, yeah, I bet. What are some things you've noticed throughout your career when you, you're, you're provided financials from a business what are some good things you've seen? What are some challenges you've seen and, and how do you help businesses kind of overcome those challenges?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, um, I've seen companies that, um, have been very, uh, I guess judicious when they're borrowing money. Um, and, They have really strong balance sheets. Um, I can think of a construction company that I banked at a former employer and they, um, uh, during kind of 2009, 2010, they they had enough cash and they had enough strength on their balance sheet that they opted to kind of pull back and not bid on a lot of work because, um, everybody was desperate for work. So the margins were driven down. And so instead of, you know, fighting with everybody for low margins, they, they just pulled back and waited it out. Um, you know, so, so the strength of the balance sheet can really carry businesses. And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, that's, that's really what's going to make or break it when, when, when things happen in the market. So, um, sorry, remind me again,
0: what, what the question was. No, that's great. That was a great example of like uh, a good example of a company who was strong kind of helped, um, their balance sheet helped them weather the storm.
1: Yeah. What yeah. About? And, uh, I'll just give you another example. It's just, um, there's a, a prospect that I started, uh, going after and, but they've, they don't have a lot of, um, short term borrowings from banks, but what they've done is, you know, they've got a lot of trade credit, you know, so their vendors have provided them a lot of, uh, credit to, to buy inventory that then they sell and they kind of got, um, Upside down, I guess I would say. You know, they're they were um the cash flow wasn't coming. They had like they had a record year in revenues, like more revenues than they'd ever had, but they weren't um collecting the cash and they weren't paying their vendors in time. And so they got into a situation where then they had to, you know, pay cash for everything and their profits were eaten up and you know, so. And so they're essentially right now, for me, unbankable um, because of this. And so um, I I think that's one thing when I think I ever really thought about as far as, um, you know, issues with with uh, giving money, you know, making sure that they're they're not slow paying everybody.
0: So and what are some good practices you see companies do to help their chances in getting a loan? Um, well, I,
1: I think that um, probably the, one of the biggest things that we deal with is the whole tax strategy thing. Um, a lot of companies will get too far on the extremes and they, they don't want to pay any tax that they will, uh, put themselves in a position that their financial statements don't show that they can repay a loan. Uh, and then I've had other, for, for an example, I, I have a, a client that, um, they sold their building, uh, they got an offer on their building and so they sold it and they're leasing it back. the The company's leasing it back, but they, um, the owners of the building, which uh, were mostly the owners of the of the business, there was some differences, but um, the owners of the building then got all this cash liquidity. And I, and I asked him. I said, "So, um, what what is your strategy to?" to not pay tax, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. on this gain. And he basically said, we're just going to pay the tax, you know? So, so some people, um, I have another client right now, they sold one of their businesses. They have kind of a group of a bunch of businesses and they sold the top cash flowing business for a lot of money. And they have turned around and, Spent most of it buying up land in opportunity zones, which are, you know, tax beneficial um, areas where you know you get a tax benefit for developing in certain areas, um, low income areas, and things like that. And now they don't they don't have the cash flow, and they don't have the liquidity. And so I can't give them the line of credit that they now want to help develop some of this stuff. So they've they've went way far to the extreme to avoid paying tax. And now it's hard to lend to them. So, you know, kind of the two two extremes there.
0: So that's an interesting point. You kind of um, they solved one problem. How do I pay as little tax as possible? But then that created a different problem, which is what? How can I get the financing I need to then grow my business or develop the properties if that's they're planning to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some of the accounting concepts that are critical for someone in in a role like yours? Um,
1: Cash flow is number one, Um, and and you know we we use we kind of look at two types of cash flow. Um, One is what we call EBITDA cash flow, or it's, you know, um, or traditional cash flow where it's kind of just a, I I call it kind of a back of the napkin cash flow. So um, the earnings before taxes, depreciation, amortization. Um, And then we also look at um, cash flow based on Changes in the balance sheet, so changes in working capital, change you know changes in trading assets, and we call that kind of a uniform commercial cash flow. I think is what it's called, or UCA cash flow. Um, so it takes into account all of the changes on the balance sheet. Um, but then, but then a lot of our covenants are um, on cash flow, or loosely based on that. It would typically be. You know, we're looking at their EBITDA less their capital expenditures paid in cash less their cash taxes. That's that's kind of what the banking industry has moved towards. It's kind of this what they call a, a fixed a, a fixed charge coverage. So what what cash flow is available to cover all of your fixed charges after you've you know paid for your capital needs and and all of that. So. Cash flow is definitely the number one concept, you know, and understanding the balance sheet changes and then leverage is probably second behind that. So um, we, we look at balance sheet leverage, like what are the total liabilities compared to the net worth of the business? And then we also, um, in my arena, look at cash flow leverage because sometimes we'll land on a business, uh, for example, service businesses. They might not have a, a lot of tangible assets, you know, but they might have contracts or something like that. And um, so we look at cash flow leverage, and, and a lot of times that's how much debt do they have versus their EBITDA or the, you know, the traditional cash flow. For example, if they had, you know, $9 million in, in debt on the balance sheet of, of senior bank debt and they generate $3 million in EBITDA, then that's a three times funded debt to EBITDA, which kind of is it. what it tells you is they could, if they operate as they're operating now, they could pay off their senior debt in three years. Um, it's kind of what that's looking at. And that's kind of the number that we kind of like is less than three times you know we we like to know that you know that they could pay us off in three years if if they needed to so um you know those are those are kind of the main things and then just uh you know um after that, we're probably looking, depending on the type of business and, and the kind of financing, if you're doing a line of credit, we're looking at trading assets and what is the cash operating cycle, you know, how many inventory turn days do they have, how many accounts receivable turn days do they have, how, what's their accounts payable days, and add all that up to kind of determine and, and right-size the line of credit that they need in order to support that operating cycle so um, those are those
0: are probably the the biggest ones
1: that come up for me
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds good all right what advice would you give to a student taking their first accounting course i
1: i would say stick with it because it's it can be so interesting and i would say also you know it's not I, I think when I started I thought well accounting is just a science right everything it is just do it this way do it this way but there's there is some art to it you know especially when it comes to tax strategy and 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 different things like that so um, you know and and it it can be there can be so many careers you could go into where it could be beneficial you could be a public accountant where you know, from what I can tell, most of them do pretty well for themselves, you know, because I work with a lot of public accountants. Um, you you know, you could be a controller or a CFO of a company, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's say you like a certain company or industry. Every one of them needs a CFO or, or a controller. So you could go into any essentially any industry you want because you're an accountant. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think about that a lot. I almost went back to get, you know, a master's in accountancy and become a CPA just because of that, you know? Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of endless possibilities when it comes to, to accounting, in my opinion, um, you could become a banker and, and it, would work out really well for
0: you as well. You decided to. Yeah, I think that's great. Great, great advice. What about the students who don't want to be an accountant <laughs> or, or a banker? Um, any, any tips for them? Well, I think the principles of all involved in accounting
1: um, are beneficial for everyday life. You know, I, I, I try and look at my own personal finances the same way I I critique, you know, my clients, you know, looking at my own personal balance sheet. You know, do I have enough, you know, net worth to weather a downturn, (laughs) a job loss, things like that. Um, So I think the principles are are universal. uh, And so, you know, a a good understanding of it, I think, will help you out in, in any field that you. Uh, decide to go into Mm -hmm.
0: great well any last words of wisdom these students are normally around sophomore sophomores in college any last words of wisdom for them
1: um you know i would i would just just reiterate that uh you know if if you stick with it, the concepts, you know, you'll eventually understand them, because I know I remember being in, you know, various accounting classes and I'm like, I, hey, you know, it, it kind of was the one subject that really went over my head for a long time. But then, you know, it, it finally, I think, clicked when I started uh, actually using it every day in real life. But um, I would just say, you know, stick with it, ask questions and um you know, I, and enjoy it, too. I think it can be enjoyable. You know, it doesn't have
0: to be uh, drudgery. <laughs> so. well, that's great. Those are great tips for the students. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to yeah. talk to us. Um, and thank you very much, Tyler. Yeah. Have you ever been in a grocery store and someone is speaking a different language and you don't have a clue what they're talking about? That's what can happen when you are tasked with understanding how well a company is performing and you aren't fluent in accounting, the language of business. The financial statements are interconnected and tell a story. That's what accounting knowledge can do for you, help you understand and tell a story. It can also help you author a story to achieve an objective. I like the construction company who wrote their story to have a strong balance sheet to give them more freedom when the business environment changed. Do you want to help create the business's story or just let others write it for you? You can do this.